We uh, there's not a rule that you have to use the three subs. You'll find us competitive. Um, he's he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. everybody welcome back to the 27th episode of the third sub and i'm your co-host alexander gongay ruzik and sam and i are back, back again either you're gonna be sick of us or you're gonna hate us or love us because we've been we've been on the mics a lot lately but i guess chalk that up to one of the the good things about this mls's back tournament lots of matches all the time the white caps are somehow going through how, how are you doing I'd say this week when we used to weekly episodes, but how are you doing today, Sam? Yeah, pretty well. Obviously, uh, had a little more time to, you know, now we know the opponent, and that's the reason for this podcast, Sporting Kansas City. And I said that, you know, they were not my preferred opponent. I would have rather seen TFC, but the more research we've done, now having had the conversation that we're about to have with uh, Cody Bradley from the Blue Testament in Kansas City, um, I don't know. I guess I'm feeling slightly more optimistic, but uh, just first and foremost, foremost, very excited for the match tomorrow night. I mean, elimination sports are always fun, and when it's the Whitecaps involved in some elimination, it, it just adds to the excitement. So, well, call me, call me, you know, off my rocker. I think the one of the most exciting parts of the game for me is that it's at 8 p.m. I just like the fact that it's after that 6 a.m. disaster class. And I don't know, it was it was a fun game, but don't get me wrong. And no no more of that. I'm just happy to have a late game, 8 p.m. Well, the, the Whitecaps actually The big question, the though, is that what if we get another weather delay? Yeah. Like, do we go right, do finish. we go deep into the night? Is it 2, 3 a.m. local time <laughs> when they're finishing? Like, is that a possibility? Well, they're already going to finish at 1. And what if there's yeah. extra time? The game could conceivably finish at, like, 2 or 3 yeah. <laughs> local time, which would be... MLS after dark. Oh boy, this is gonna be a this is this is gonna be a spectacle. And I think I think we have a lot. I think knowing MLS, I I'm prepared for the worst. And I mean the worst as in like chaos. I'm expecting some sort of weather delay, some red card, some late goal, maybe some extra time. Penalties, who knows? I mean, SKC is the team that suffered from the double post, if I'm not mistaken. So They've been there. They've done that. I'm expecting a lot, but you know what? I think without further ado, we'll dump, we'll jump into our chat with Cody of the Blue Testament to preview the Sporting Kansas City. And as you'll hear in our chats, this is it was pre-recorded to this. He he's a fun guy, and I think you'll you'll see how you know by by talking to him, you can you you can kind of feel that something something's about to happen, especially if the the history between these two teams is any indication. So without further ado, we'll play that right now. All righty, and we're here. We're back with a special guest, Cody Bradley from the Blue Testament website covering all things soccer in, in Kansas and more specifically sporting Kansas City. So, you know, we're here to kind of preview what the Whitecaps have to expect from their 
huge, you know, knockout MLS's back match against Kansas City late on on Sunday night. So how are you, Cody? And uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I was it's it's good to like get back and like talk about real soccer. It's real again. It just, yeah, it's feel, it feels good. And this I'm excited. I'm I'm like fully uh, I, you know, it's, it's a weird tournament. This this March Madness style thing. It's very weird. We have teams drop out. All that's very weird. But now that we're in the knockout round, like I'm I'm ready. It should be it should be really fun. Well, I guess kind of yeah, just started off you kind of touched on it a bit, but you know, how, what have your impressions been of SKC in this tournament? And I guess kind of to add on as a question, what, how did they perform relative to what you expected from them at the beginning as well? Yeah, uh, you know, a Peter Vermees coach team is going to be like the one team that I would think would be ready. Like uh, that's he's, he's one coach that I know is not going, he's not going to put a player on the field if they're not fit and ready and and the regimen that he'll have them on to be ready in time I know is is hardcore so yes I was I mean we I was expecting them to be ready to go and clearly they kind of weren't because right out of the gate they they, they looked pretty rough there at the beginning but you know I think expectations after those first two games were pretty high they looked unstoppable they looked like they were going to win every trophy and now, you know, we've, they've lost uh, Felipe Gutierrez, and I think it's maybe slowed down a little bit. But uh, I think everyone's really excited about Polito and, and what we've got going on in the attack right now. So, yeah, To just kind of add on to that, I think when Alex and I were looking at, the, looking at the first couple games, our initial reaction was kind of that's not the sport in Kansas City we're used to seeing. Things felt a little disjointed and disorganized and you're kind of used to SKC coming in with a very concise plan and really just being disciplined and executing it. But it seemed like they kind of figured it out in that third match. Is that a, is that a fair evaluation of how things yeah, have gone so far? Uh, that was, that's pretty spot on, honestly. I, and that, that dis, discombobulated a little bit that you're talking about that, that for me is the, is that they're missing Felipe Gutierrez, the maestro there in the middle and when he went down, you know, that was that's pretty rough. Like he was probably one of the best players to ever like wear the jersey. So that that was pretty rough to lose him. But everyone's very excited about Gotti Kinda, who has kind of been playing in that role. And he he looked very good those first two games. And he's played well. He, you know, he he had some really good moments. He's got some uh, an assist or two in the, in these knockout stages. But he's just not he's not quite the facilitator. He's not the uh, in the middle of the field, he doesn't. They're, they're lacking a cohesiveness in going forward. He, he's not quite. I think it's just a. I chalk it up to a lack of MLS experience so far. But I do, I do like the player. I think he's going to get significantly better. Well, I guess you know, in the sense, this is probably one of the rare matchups at MLS's back where the two teams have already faced each other, and. Yeah. You know, in, in a sense, that's an, both an advantage and disadvantage. But I'm just, you know, we so we got a sneak peek of what, you know, Kansas can be about. And one big player that everyone is watching about, you know, is watching and keeping an eye on is Alan Polito, $10 million player, Mexican national team star, you know, the pedigree, the kind of player that I'm sure in Kansas you weren't maybe expecting to, you know, especially with Peter Vermees, how he's been more of a money ball style, style coach. You're not used to this kind of signing. So I guess what were your impressions of the signing when it happened and how has he lived up to your guys' expectations? I mean, he has what, two goals and three assists, three goals and three assists. He's been 
three pretty much three, as yeah. advertised. Yeah, yeah, three and three so far. Uh, man, it's been like it's been like Christmas, and I know it's definitely not. It's definitely not the player that Vermese ever goes for, or, or has historically not gone for. But there for you know two years, it seems it felt way longer than that. But for I think it was just about two years, maybe two and a half, that they were they were saying like you know we're looking for that striker. Like we know we need one. They the DP striker. It became that was my MLS fantasy team was the mythical DP DP striker. It just it was like a mantra that like fans have been waiting for it for it just spells like for so long, and. You know, the, I, I did just have this worry. It's like, you know, the whole time, it's, Vermees is not just going to dump this money on a player that he doesn't fully want or that he doesn't think is going to do everything he needs. So when we got the player, I was still, you know, I, I, I was confident he was going to fit in. But he's, you know, he's done absolutely everything. Even speaking with the front office guys, you know, his first day is there, it was – you know, he was at, you know, am I, do you need anything else from me? Have I done? I know you need another picture. Like he was just, he's doing everything he can to be helpful, to be a part of this team. And so it's just like, man, it has been, it has been so awesome. I, I love every second of it and do keep around him. Cause it's a, uh, he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't play like this guy that just signed the biggest contract in the club history. And, and yeah, I mean, he, you know, he'll, he'll run back to the midfield to, to get a ball and create for somebody else. And, he does, you know, it's, uh, I, I've been, I, I could not be more, more happy with what we've seen from him. And, and so from someone who kind of, you know, is at the top of everyone's mind to, to a player who's maybe slightly less heralded, but still, a, still a really quality player, uh, Illy Sanchez, I think Alex and I were, were looking at this, you know, before the show and this, there's a benefit here to, you know, being in the U.S. and being a U.S. MLS team because the fact that you can get a player like that on a domestic roster spot to us is just mind-blowing because, you know, we've had some players over the course of Whitecaps yeah. history that have been around for five, six, seven years, and they still don't have their papers in order. So what does he provide to kind of calm down that midfield? And, yeah, just a, just a word on him. Yeah, tra- Trader Pete is what – that's what we call Peter Vermees, man. I don't know how he does this, like – it's like the the day Ilya got here, he started the process or something. I, I don't I don't know. It's but yeah, it's that that part has been that that just seemed like a freebie at that point that he's now got got his green card. But our 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 blog, the Blue Testament over here, we're we're huge 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 Ilya fans. I I can't imagine like if he's not on the field, it just absolutely terrifies me. Uh, he I think last year maybe to start out he kind of slowed down a little bit or maybe some some teams kind of figured him out but you know he's he's adapted and and he is just an absolute rock back there and like you said that is a difficult position like that that is a that you know to find that guy that holds a holds can hold that position down for years that is we're very lucky to to have found him and you know it was only a couple years after um uh oh gosh now i can't think of his name uh the other one we had in place for uh, Yuri, Yuri Rizal. You know, we, we had Yuri for all that time. And so, yeah, that's uh, – that, and, and, again, I, I don't like to keep bringing up Felipe because he's gone and they need to move past it for the year. But he was the other – he was the only other player that could play that role really for us. And, and so that, that's another negative of losing him because, you know, Ilya, it's, it, he's, it, I get so nervous. Like, don't, nobody touch him. Like, we need him on the field. He, he has to be there. He's the rock. We need him. I guess kind of 
to, to continue on, I, I guess this this talk of kind of important players on SKC, and I mean, we we had the question written down is besides Polito the new face to watch. But I mean, if we're gonna be honest, that's just kind of setting up a Gaddy Kinda question since he oh, yeah. he's pretty much the only, the only other you know big new face. But I guess maybe to kind of add to it, besides you know, I guess just. Tell us a bit about Kindex. We really all, I think we all liked what we saw from him in the opener. We're all kind of like, he's going to be a player. He kind of tore apart the white caps with that one goal and his passing. But I guess along with Kinda, who's maybe another player in that Kansas lineup that you just feel isn't getting talked about enough around the league? Oh, good. I like the way you phrased that last one. Uh, Gotti Kinda. So the number one thing I think of with this player is like he gets the ball and everything is positive. He gets the ball. He's trying to go forward, like immediately. That's that's it, so. It's very exciting. He's a very exciting player. And yes, he did. Um, you know, you guys saw him at this at at the best that we have seen him yet. And that did. He, it did look like he was going to set this league on fire after that game. And I, you know, I do think he's I think he's like maybe just some of the tricks of that game. Like I said, you know, he was just being so positive. Sometimes that's going to work, and sometimes it's not. And I think just some of those tricks maybe haven't been working as much as of late. But, you know, he's, he's going to keep figuring out the league and, uh, you know, the, the, in, in getting better with his teammates. And so he's just going to keep getting better. And I am, I'm very excited to, to see him develop. Um, the other, another player that no one talks about, not, he's not a new player, but uh, uh, we have our, our left back, um, Oh gosh, now I'm like I'm forgetting his name. Uh, 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 Luis Martins. Good lord, Martins. Poor guy. See, I, you forget his name. They never you never <laughs> hear his name. He's like, and it, the poor the poor left back man. It's just like you only hear about a, a, a an outside back if they're like messing up, kind of kind of like a center back a little bit. And so we, we have not been hearing his name. He's just been you know a, a solid pairing there on the left side of the defense. And he, he's really clever getting forward. Him, him, and uh, him and uh, Gotti are working really well. He, he's, you know, he. It's just a silent rock that, that we've had for him there on the left side of the defense. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like that a lot. And so, uh, kind of continuing to move on through individual players, I think a guy that you know some hardcore fans in Vancouver have had their eye on for a while, and obviously we had the the Alfonso Davies experience for a couple years. But, uh, you know, someone who's kind of had, had similar feelings around him at time is, is uh, Jean-Luco Busio. And obviously, you know, signed at 15 and, and really kind of felt on the, on the fast track to success. So how has his arc sort of been developing for those that, you know, f- for those in Kansas that have been paying a little bit closer attention than probably we have out on the West Coast? Yeah, the arc... <sighs> The arc is interesting. I don't even know if there has been an arc. Uh, you know, when he first, when people first started hearing about him, it was like he, there was a, he had some bicycle kick in a U15 national team game and like it, it just that made the rounds on US soccer Twitter. And so, yeah, he has been, you know, thought of for a very long time. It was a big win for the academy here to get him. And, uh, you know, the first year he started getting some playing time, he had a a few assists. It was all looking great. And then last year, we just, you know, we were all kind of expecting to see him play a lot more. And he really didn't. And that was even with a lot of injuries. And 
So, you know, that, that's something that confused a lot of us, and we would have liked – I'm all about playing the kids because, you know, like you said, if he's, you know, if he's destined to go to Europe, then, like, hey, a 17-year-old should be able to be doing quite well in this league. Like, if they're, if they're this good, put them out there. Let's see what they can do. And uh, so, you know, the arc hasn't really panned out yet. You know, he looked good. He looks decent enough in, in the last game that we saw him. But we just, you know, we haven't seen him that much. And that is why I think it's kind of weird that all of these rumors are heating up about him. You know, Fiorentina and PSV and and uh, Juventus are all where, you know, there's a bunch of teams apparently watching that, that game with word that he was going to start and play. So, you know, it, it could happen at any moment. The, you know, they've already turned down a $4 million offer for him over the winter. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And I know he wants to go. So this club is, is adamant about, you know, they want to attract good players and they want to show that they help them accomplish what they want to do. So if, if he wants to, you know, if he, he, he just, I just want him to go somewhere where he's going to play, like for the sake of, you know, because he's our guy and the, the men's national team, you know. I want to, I think if he goes to PSV, that would be a, a pretty good situation. He gets some playing time and, and then even PSV will be in Europa, so, or, or Champions League even. So I do, I do hope he goes. Uh, I, he just needs to get some playing time. He's not even getting it here. I, it's crazy to me that someone's going to spend $7 million on this little kid that, like, doesn't even play that much. But, you know, we'll see. I do think he has the talent. I just – it's kind of a weird situation. Well, it, it's interesting because there's been a lot of ma- back and forth between media and Mark DeSantos in Vancouver about how they've used or not really used right. their young players during this tournament. And obviously, there's the coaching history there between DeSantos and Vermees and – is it fair to say that Vermees probably has a similar attitude where he's not just going to give players minutes or opportunities because they're a heralded academy prospect? He's going to wait until he feels like the player's ready, and maybe that's why Busio's not getting as many minutes as he might expect or people might expect? Yeah, and we'll see. I don't, I don't even know if I like that phrasing of that he's not ready yet. It's that, you know, Vermees is going to do whatever. His job is to, like, win the game that day. Yeah. And so it's like, if he thinks Roger is going to be better that day or if he likes him that, you know, I think that's just what it comes down to. I do think he fully believes in Busio. Uh, it just kind of comes down to something like that. And it is interesting you met the, the comparison there with Dos Santos because we, we, you know, we loved him when he was here. You know, he's is highly regarded. I, I enjoyed watching him go to work that first year with the Swill Park Rangers. Uh, and he did not – you know, that same bit of stubbornness, like that he's going to do what he feels is right. That is why he could, it was never going to work because, you know, Vermees wants the second team to be an extension of the first team. He wants, you know, he doesn't even want care if they win or not. And so DeSantos wasn't having that. He was like, he was like, I need to play who I need to play to win. I need to go somewhere that lets me do that. I'm not trying to be a secondary coach here. I do kind of have to wonder how much Busito's position as a player like hurts him because I feel like SKC's midfield so yeah. stacked and it's hard for young midfielders to get a chance in MLS I mean it helped that Davies he was a winger and he just kind of the Whitecaps at a certain point just had no better options from him and it was easier to throw a young winger to the Wolves so do you think playing in the midfield also kind of contributes to that? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, at one point, he he was kind of a winger at one point. I think for the youth national teams, I think he was playing more of a, of a forward role at one point, at least. And he got there, he got some minutes there for sporting. Um, 
you know, at the start of his career here. That's weird saying that, like, years ago, the start of his career as a 17-year-old. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's definitely what it is. You know, there, there's been a lot of solid players in the midfield there. Like, you know, it's hard to – if you go out and get Benny Fellhaber like they did last year and you got to get a win that day, it's hard to go put the kid out there if you've got this, you know, seasoned MLS veteran that knows what to do. I guess kind of continuing on because – one thing that I think Vancouver, you know, people who watch the Whitecaps, you know, fans, media, I'll, even probably the coaches can admit that for whatever reason, the Whitecaps the last few years, whenever they've played Kansas, they've just always seen Kansas at the best or Vancouver at the worst. So there's been yeah. a lot of big victories, a lot of, you know, Johnny Russell torching the Whitecaps in the 6-1 or even oh, think yeah. of 2018 when Busio got his first ever assist. I remember oh, yeah. that or... Even this year, her title score and the late winner, you can go on and on. And, you know, kind of what, like, why? What, what's kind of gone on? What do Kansas do over Vancouver that's just given yeah. them that, that upper edge? Is there, is it just the Whitecaps not matching up well? Is it just, you know, Kansas, you know, yeah, having it seems, their number? It, it seems like it started, like the, that stretch started after that. It was like a 4-3 comeback win in Kansas City. I don't know if you guys recall. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. And Paulo Nagamura, who now coaches SKC, too, like he took his shirt off, ran in the same. They scored, like, two goals in the last minute. And I don't know if it was, like, just the wave from that, like, you know, at the next time they played them from after having that game is the last time. I don't know if they were just rolling off of that and it was just a confidence from that. But it seems like that game kind of kick-started this run. And, you know, I don't know, soccer is just weird like that. I admit all sports are just weird like that. And it might bode well because we had the opposite stretch of that with RSL and and somehow got a regular season win against them. That was like the first time that the, the sporting has done that in so long. So if if that's a sign, then, uh, then you're in a good shape here going into this one. So interestingly enough, um, you know, these two teams have already kind of been connected in this tournament through the whole backup replacement pool goalkeeper situation. And so we just kind of wanted to get uh, your, your thoughts and your kind of version of the events on, on what happened. Obviously Tim Melia gets a red card and then uh, the backup SKC goalkeeper, I believe, I don't know if it was confirmed that he actually tested positive for COVID or if it was just they signed the pool goalkeeper and everyone sort of knew what happened. So, yeah, I don't know if you could just kind of explain the SKC experience with the whole backup pool goalkeeper situation. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're just the SB, you know, we're just the bloggers. We're not the official newspapers. So we always try to tiptoe around. We don't ever want to make anyone on the team mad. So, you know, we don't know that Pulse Camp tested positive. We don't know that. They never confirmed that. But it's an odd move. One, one of, I thought he was our backup. It could have, we could have been wrong that Sanchez may have actually won that backup role. But I thought it was weird that Sanchez started that one game, or the first game. So that was weird there. But then, yes, the fact that I don't know why you would pick up a pool keeper if you've got another one on your roster and he's not on the injured list. So... I don't know, but yeah, that's, so that, that's all we've got there. And uh, I didn't even actually ever see, I can't remember even the name of the player that we picked up. I, so he, thankfully we never had to use him, but that Charlie Leon. 
Yeah, right, yeah. It did work out that uh, the last time that they got a pool keeper, which was Tim Melia, so that that is just an insane. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great nugget of history there. And, and obviously because of, because of you guys picking up Leon, he then wasn't available for the Whitecaps to pick up because they would have had to make right. essentially an international move. And then so it led to the whole situation of right. us – the, the Whitecaps loaning from Montreal. So it's just interesting to, to see that. But MLS and MLS, man. Exactly. It's going to. Kind of moving on to, to the match specifically and how it might play out. Obviously, I don't think there's any, you know, there's any real difference in opinion. Like Vancouver are massive underdogs. But the Whitecaps have had some success on the counter so far this tournament. And if you were kind of playing the devil's advocate, where could the Whitecaps look to break down potential weaknesses in Sporting Kansas City? Where where might SKC be a little bit vulnerable? Well, I'm, I I don't think anyone has been very happy with the defense yet. Uh, not the, and in any of the games, the defense has not looked good. I mean, they gave up a goal to a nine-man Colorado team, so. It's, you know, it's not looked good. Uh, Matt Beesler even got rotated out that last game. I don't know. It's Vermees is not one to just do regular squad rotation. That's kind of something people hate on him for is that he doesn't really often do that. And Beesler is the one that is not ever getting that rotation because he's kind of the guy that, even as a defender, he's the one that doesn't really roam forward. So that was weird to see him. You know, I don't know if that was Vermees saw – an issue with the defense and then thought that Beesler was the issue. And that, so he was trying something new or if he was just trying to get Graham Smith some minutes or what, but there, you know, there, I, I, I don't think anyone for sporting a fan of sporting feels like that they're just going to beat anyone that they play because, because of that defense. It's just, it's just a question of like, if, if the offense could score more than the other team, okay. uh, but over, over on the left side, I think Zussi is smart, knows the system, all of that. He's going to run hard, but he's not necessarily just, like, the best defender in the world. And, and so I think uh, at a certain point, RSL kind of were attacking that left side a little bit. Uh, or that, sorry, that, their, their left side, Sporting's right side of the defense. Uh, so, you know, that, you know that, that'll, be, that'll be where it is. And... Uh, counterattacking teams always burn, have always burned sporting. So, you know, I, I definitely don't, he's, he's a massive underdog. I definitely don't feel like that, but you know, we'll see. I guess kind of continuing on that theme. I mean, out of the five goals they've conceded this year and, you know, four at MLS's back, three have been after the 84th minute and the other two, interestingly enough, have been what before the 25th minute. So, mm -hmm. you know, what what gives there is it a matter of you know maybe sometimes they're not always starting you know fo focused and is there is there some fitness concerns to you know closing out the match and allowing late goals at the back yeah the so that early part of that stat you know that's like really from that first game really and we're only going after really just three games so that you know that the first game i think they were just not freaking ready yet uh which a lot of mls teams were like that um, at the at the end of the game, you know those all of those goals you're referring to were all except for the except for one I guess uh, was put in on no that is all of them it was all put in on Sanchez, Sanchez the, yeah. the other the our what I imagine is our third string keeper and 
two of them were just, I don't know, uh, it's just absolutely head shaking. Like, I, I don't, it's hard to see what Vermees and what everyone else was seeing in him during training. You know, it's obviously he has something he can play, but it, he made some very questionable plays back there that just, I don't even know what was going on. So, so to kind of add to, to the discussion of the first three matches, uh, you know, something we noticed and, and obviously you've alluded to is, you know, you had the Tim Melia red card and then two players were sent off for Colorado in, in that matchup. So is, is that just a fluke or is there some kind of consistent theme there where sporting seems to get into testy affairs with, with incidents like that? This, what we, the, this club might have that reputation. I don't even know. Maybe they do. Is it the Johnny oh, Russell effect, maybe? Or the, when, when the Whitecaps yeah. lost two guys. Remember when Rain on Juarez yeah. got sent oh, off yeah. that one game? That, yeah. that, that was a good MLS fight. Like, that was a good – that was like uh, – And I, we've also had guys like, like Benny Fellhaber. You know, there's just – and Roger Espinosa. He, he gets people fired up. Um, but, you know, I don't know that – that red card for Melia, that was just – he's just not informed yet. That was a guy that was not ready to be playing a regular season game. You know, it was a move that he would never make. I don't know what he was, like, going for there. And then, well, shoot, I don't know what Colorado was doing. A guy just turned around and, like, yelled something at the ref's mama, or I don't know what he yelled at the ref, but he got an immediate red card for it. And so, yeah, I mean, I, it seemed like Colorado was being, was being very – very chippy that game and I, there was even an, another play that I thought deserved a red card but yes there probably is something to uh to sporting style of play you know it's big Vermees is big on like the the Pep Bordiola idea of like the second you lose that ball like win it back like immediately like in, in, and if you don't then don't give up a counterattack. like so foul is <laughs> like often like what you know that's what Vermise, that's what Vermise does. You'll notice, you'll notice it very quickly. If someone loses the ball, two players crash on it immediately. And so, yeah, you know, they're, they're pretty physical. We got guys like Roger Espinoza, you know, he'll, he's not afraid of any tackles and, you know, so yeah, sure. I, the, the cauldron sings that song everywhere we go, you know, the, the people ought to know. So I, I, I think we kind of lean into that. It does seem like a lot of teams have a distaste for, for sporting. I guess pretty much on on that note, that wraps up most of our our discussion for you know for the game. I mean, maybe maybe we can we can put you on the spot here and, and yeah. kind of see what what you think the the game's going to look like on Sunday. Maybe any predictions, bold takes that uh, will end up looking looking great, looking bad. You're going to put yourself out there because no, I have to, I, I have to say like I don't think. I- well, you're obviously less optimistic about this match from an SKC perspective than we are. I think we, we think it's like a, a 90%, 10% proposition, but it doesn't sound like you feel quite the same. Well, I do think that after, three, like you said, the third game was better. It, they did, you know, the, the second goal, it, it was the worry with this team is that they fail to like close out games. That's what it's been for like literally years. And so, you know, that last game, it was one to nothing the entire game. And it, we had, you had that feeling like they're, they're just going to give this up. But, you know, they put it home there. The Gerso came on and finally put it home. So I, I do feel like this fourth game, they're back into it. They're going to be a little more cohesive. Uh, but, I, you know, the, there's still some holes in the defense, I think. So 
So I think it's going to be, you know, high scoring, you know, but I, I think, I think Vermees' guys will pull it out. I do. So like, how about like three, two and a late goal? Okay. Yeah, that seems pretty on par from for especially. Well, uh, yeah, it wasn't think, very bold, but. but no, but I think for the way both teams have played so far this tournament, and the, the style we've seen in general, where it's been kind of wide open. But I'd add as like a as a final kind of bonus, you know, for SKC fans, for the media, for just the this soccer community in Kansas City, what is considered a success in this tournament? Do you think like is is a semifinals appearance, would that be viewed as a positive or, or where are expectations set? Well, for many years, I guess they've kind of stopped doing it. This is the first time I've really thought about it. But for many years, all this team preached, the, all their marketing, the branding was like, this club wins trophies. That was what it's all about. They win trophies. And so fans have like demanded trophies. And so there are, there are people that, you know, there are people that are, that are going to say, whenever they lose that, it, that they shouldn't have lost or that they'll see, you know, they could go to the final and then some, you know, people will watch that game and then see, a, you know, whatever the cause of that loss was. And then they'll say that's the deeper issue with this team and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, there's all that, but you know, it, it's just such a toss up. Like, I don't know how you could actually be upset unless you're Atlanta United and, and, you know, all those teams that just crashed out like terribly. Uh, you know, they've made it this far. It's just, it's just such a toss-up right now. You know, I, I don't know how you could be – unless they just get demolished in this first round here, uh, I don't know how you could just be, like, actually upset about it. But, fan, but to answer my question, fans have high expectations here. It's, it's one of my most annoying things of this, of this fan group here. All right. Well, I think uh, as, as a final point – It's just... almost in contrast. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, no, no. I was just gonna joke. Is kind of almost in contrast to what Whitecaps fans have kind of <laughs> turned to yeah. now. At this point, it's it's like okay, just don't don't lose five nil. Just you're missing all your guys. And, in my head, you know, the Whitecaps are good. I don't. In my head, the Whitecaps are a good team. I don't know. It's just the Pacific Northwest thing. I don't know. But in my head, they're a good team. And it, I don't ever. I'm never like, oh, good, we get the Whitecaps. <laughs> I guess yeah. On that note, I think it's we'll we'll wrap things up. But it was it was awesome to have you come yeah. on and talk about Kansas. Cause I feel like I don't know. Okay, at hold least on. Sam may... Hold on. Yeah. Now, Sporting Kansas City is in Kansas, but it's in Missouri. Oh, oh it's in but you're Kansas in City. You're in Kansas is, City, Kansas. The the like yeah. Children's Mercies in Kansas City, Kansas. Right. Not Kansas City, Missouri, like Arrowhead. Like Arrowhead. Yeah. And- any, you know, 90% of the time, other than Sporting Kansas City and the Kansas Speedway, like NASCAR, yeah. if you hear Kansas City, then it's, then it's Missouri. But so, you're not wrong when you say Kansas like Kansas. that, but there's just so many people that just, yeah. eeks, that just eeks here. Like, people come, to, people come to a concert here, and they close out the show, good concert, all right, good night, Kansas! And it's like, ah. Oh. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, we, we get that a lot, so... <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I guess I'll go. I'll stick with SKC for now. But <laughs> it was nice just to to chat SKC because I think Sam can kind of back back me up on this. I think the Whitecaps. I mean, besides Seattle, I feel like they've gotten three teams now that are kind of under, maybe under talked about, undervalued in MLS. You think Chicago Fire, you think SKC, you think San Jose. That's three 
teams yeah. in MLS where you're kind of like, you know them and they've been around, but you don't really know much. So it's kind of nice just to, you know, hear more from what's going on in the inside. Because I guess we're all kind of used to hearing about what happens in Seattle, Portland, Atlanta, you know, the big yeah. team. So we, we, we both, we appreciate it. tired of hearing about it, you know, either one. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, on that note, before you go, you can just kind of shout out where people can find your work and find you on Twitter and yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at that Cody though on Twitter, and uh, we're we're just we're the Blue Testament uh, on on any on any of the socials. That's where we're at. We have our own pod, Shades of Blue. I'll I'll be sure to keep you guys in mind whenever whenever the next time we have a matchup come around. Absolutely, it'd be a pleasure. It was, it was yeah, great. and I, I'm I'm down for any any MLS talk you guys have. Always invite me. I'm down. All right. Well, yes, yeah. On that note, thanks for coming on and. Uh, yeah, have a good one. Right on, guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Cody. Yeah. Alrighty, we're back, and that was a yeah. I think Sam, that was a good interview with uh with Cody. I think he, you know, you can tell he lo- he loves covering the the Kansas. I you can kind of feel the passion that he had in his words when he was when he was kind of talking about the team and what was going on. So I think he was a very informative guest, both you know, just to know what's going on with the team, but also, you know, just get a pulse of what's going on. So I think kind of as I told him at the end of the the, the podcast or the uh, interview there, sorry, is that, you know, we don't often hear too much about teams like SKC. So to really hear someone on the ground from, you know, the state of Kansas itself, you know, before he kind of kind of got me there. I, 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 you know, I went for the classic Missouri Kansas mix up to have someone in the, the state of Kansas itself, someone who goes to Children's Mercy Park. It was, it was good. And I think uh, I appreciated that interview. Yeah. I'm consistently um, sort of like impressed and intrigued by how much speaking with someone in the market of that team makes a real difference in how you end up feeling. Because I think certainly I'll speak for myself going into this matchup, you know, and I held a lot of respect for Kansas City as an organization. I always kind of hold them in high esteem. And it's interesting to hear right now based on, you know, they had two really good matches to start the season. But this MLS's back tournament has been a bit bumpy for SKC. And just to hear Cody say, you know, no one's viewing this match with the Whitecaps as a foregone conclusion. That was was really interesting to hear. And yeah, Cody's Cody's got some good banter, lots of you know, U.S. men's national team knowledge, and he's really plugged into what's going on in Kansas City, Kansas, as we've now kind of confirmed, you know, there's a lot, a lot of consternation there back and forth about, you know, which, which part you're in and, and, and how people refer to it. So that was kind of fun there at the end to talk about that too. Yeah, well, it's just uh, Kansas, it's SKC. I can't say Kansas. I have to stop saying that. SKC, or I don't know, Sporting KC, I, I'm, I'm team SKC. I think sporting KC is a bit, doesn't roll off the tongue, but SKC, they're, they're an interesting team. And I feel like typically they've either underperformed or overperformed. It's hard, you know, like they feel like they're always either better or worse than they should be. Like last year, they were just not good. You're used to them doing better, but then when they do really good, you're like, why are they doing so good? They don't spend any money. And I just feel like they're not, they're not a team that's properly rated. It never feels like you know they're they're properly rated and it feels like the white caps are almost another team like that and i think you could kind of tell in our conversation with him when we were talking about the white caps he's like yeah i kind of always felt like the white caps were a good team and i'm like 
that's interesting to hear from someone outside a market because if you if you relied purely on the Vancouver market perspective I don't think many people would say that I mean even when they were good they're like this is awful we play terrible football you know it's a mirage like I feel like the Whitecaps fans were even when they were at their best they were constantly down so it's like it's interesting to hear that outside the market from what we've garnered in conversations with other teams people like have a pretty decent respect level for the Whitecaps and I think that's kind of interesting to 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 see because yeah from what we see in the market I feel like it's a whole different equation yeah and and so above all else we just want to thank uh Cody Bradley for coming on and you can you can check out his work at the the bluetestament.com part of the the SB nation network that I'm kind of a part of as well. So we like to stay in touch with those guys and uh, Alex, I think, you know, we asked Cody, but how are you feeling about this match? And, and if you had to put a prediction on it, what are you thinking right now? Yeah, well, so I think Cody kind of hit it head on the nail, nail on the head, whatever, you know, the, the expression is that, you know, I could see a three, two game just in the fact that, you know, the Whitecaps defense hasn't been good overall at the, you know, at MLS's back, at least for a good 60 to 50 to 60% of it. And SKC, clearly they're kind of in that same mold. They've had those moments of defensive solidity, but other times they've kind of been, a, you know, a leaking boat at, boat at the back, kind of like Cody alluded to. So I do feel like a high scoring game is in the cards, but at the same time, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like Mark DeSantos, he knows that he's missing all these regulars. He's you know, pragmatism ruled the day for Chicago and he needed a two goal win and pragmatism works. So I feel like in a game where the white cap, Hey, they only need a one nil. They only need a one goal win. They just need a victory. I feel like pragmatism is going to be something we see. I think I can feel like a five at the back is a very realistic again. Obviously I don't know with what center backs. I mean, Jasper committee does sound like he'll be sort of fit, but I don't think he'll be worth pushing him, but one thing I do think it's important to note is that Eric Godoy hasn't been ruled out for the tournament yet. And DeSantos did say he was out for the Seattle game, but technically he was in play for the fire game and even this SKC game. So I, you know, as much as I don't think expect it, I say don't be surprised if you look at the Whitecaps coming out with a five at the back and you see Eric Godoy alongside Cornelius and Ranko Veselinovic. That would be hot, but I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, it's tough to say because it does now sound like there's going to be an MLS regular season that there's plans at least for one. They're a little more concrete than just like, we want to play games and markets and, you know, it was ambiguous. At least there's a plan and we'll talk about it in probably episode 28, 29, 30, depending on when the Whitecaps finish this tournament. But, you know, do you see Godoy pushed a little more knowing that there's not much of a regular season to worry about? And obviously the health of his, of his health is a, huge priority and now that the Whitecaps own his rights it's not like okay if he's damaged goods we'll just send him back to Argentina as scummy as that sounds you know you know that isn't an option so I feel like as long as he's fit they'll play him but hey I feel like that could be a surprise so I think all those factors considered before I ramble on too long I'm feeling a 1-1 go to extra time maybe penalties maybe like a Christian Dahomey like scrappy goal or a you know like a Kyrie Shelton like you know, back post header, like something scrappy like that. I, I feel like it can go either way, but I'm feeling an SKC win, but I feel like it's going to be tight and we're going to see some of the famed fine lines that Carl Robinson always promised us. Yeah. So I think to kind of just add my final, final thoughts to, to your breakdown, I think that, yeah, if we, if we 
do end up seeing Eric Godoy at the back, either in a back four or a back five, I can definitely back that 1-1 headed to extra time scoreline. But I think if we see Yasser Kamiri on the field, my confidence immediately goes down and not really through any fault of his own. It's just the way, you know, the cards are kind of falling right now. And, you know, so I think depending on the lineup, I see anywhere from, essentially it feels like one, one heading to extra time or nil, nil heading to extra time is like that ideal result for the white caps. And then they can try to scrap away. But if things don't quite go according to plan, I can easily see a tidy three, one scoreline for SKC. So in spite of the fact I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic, having spoken with Cody and having kind of broken down the match a little more in my head, I think I still have to favor a SKC result at the end of the day. Yeah, well, I do feel like it's it feels natural to feel like an SKC 3 or 4-0 victory, and I feel like that's kind of – you just look at the two teams and you do feel that. I the do only, think the Whitecaps will get at least one, though. They're, yeah, they're good for a goal. They're going to score one. But, the, yeah, the only thing will depend is how good is the defense. And I think one thing that I'm – as of this podcast being out, this article will probably be out at the time, but I've kind of been diving into some stats kind of ahead of the game and – you know, looking back at the group stage, Thomas Hassal coming in changed the Whitecaps defense. And, you know, obviously Hassal has been good. And I think we've both praised how aggressive he is off his line. And I think just doing stuff like that helps his cause. But, you know, I feel like it's worth noting that is when, when Crepo was in, he faced something like over 168 minutes. He faced 10 XG worth of shots. Whereas Hassal in one 141 minutes, so a similar minute output, he's only faced one XG worth the shot. So that shows that ever since Hassal's in, the defense has really tightened up and protected their young goalkeeper. So, you know, if the Whitecaps defend like they have so far, I think it's an open game. I think it's an even game. I think we're going to see that 1-1-2-2. The problem is if we see the Whitecaps, you know, revert to old habits, they get a little too comfortable, it's not going to be pretty. I think as soon as the Whitecaps open up to this ace SKC team, I feel 4-0, 5-0. Like, guys, with a guy like Polito, if he's running at a wide-open Whitecaps defense, it's like Gaddy Kinda, all these, you know, Kyrie Shelton, these guys we talk about, it's not going to be pretty. So, you know, will this Thomas Hassall effect continue? Because, I mean, to be fair, like, it makes sense. If I'm a defense, you know, and as much as Hassall, he's 21, he's you know he's fared well in training at the same time he's a kid you don't want to let him get thrown to the wolves like that's the last thing you want to do for his confidence so if the defense continues to step up I think it can make it a really interesting game but I think this game entirely hinges on the Whitecaps ability to defend because if not it's gonna it's not gonna be close yeah so we're we're, we'll be looking forward to those lineups about an hour pre-match and that should give us a a good indication of how things are gonna are gonna play out and I think you make a good point that you know, Max Kripo can almost be a, he's almost a bit too good of a shot stopper there at the back mm-hmm. sometimes. Cause you feel like, Oh, well we have Max back there. We can just allow these shots. And, yeah. and it does change your mentality a little bit now with Hassal and maybe overall it's been for the better, even though obviously you'd still like to have Max healthy and fit and ready to play. Mm-hmm. And I think one take I'll, I'll explore more maybe in written form as well. And maybe in a later podcast is how, this emergence of Hassal could be the best thing for Crepo. Because I'll say it kind of a abridged version of my thoughts, but I think it is important to note that Crepo's standout performance in the last year helped that Zach McMath was there. 
pushing him on. And Zach McMath is a really good goalkeeper. And I think we've seen that with RSL this tournament. Even his stats when he did play last year, he did have good stats. So obviously you can't keep Zach McMath. He's 28. He needs to play. Like he needs to play. But Hassal, he's young. So him fighting for these minutes with Crepo doesn't hurt. And I think if, you know, Mark DeSantos shows, okay, after this tournament, when they're both healthy, that, hey, Max, if you slip a little or this and that, we won't be afraid to go to Hassal. This might be the best partnership for Max Crepo. This might be the best partnership for Thomas Hassal. And this might be the best partnership for the Vancouver Whitecaps. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but that's just kind of how I feel. But, you know, on that note, I think this, we'll, we'll wrap this up and, you know, save the, a lot of those thoughts for when, when and if or what happens with the white caps because if they do get eliminated there will be at least a two or three week break and then we'll, we'll have perfect opportunity to talk about these kinds of things but for now while they're still playing we'll talk about the games that they are playing and we're looking forward to sunday so i guess on that note sam as usual where do people find you and any closing remarks yeah, you can find me at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter um, and at 86forever.com where we've already got a pre-match piece out and our, you know, our, our running guest to starting 11 competition. So if you haven't get, gotten stuck into that already, you can definitely check it out and see if you're on the same wavelength as Mark Dos Santos. But yeah, I just looking forward to taking in the match Sunday night and then whatever the result might be breaking that down if it means that we're moving on to what the return to play plan is like then so be it and if not we're going to have more elimination soccer to talk about so it kind of feels like a win-win either way at this point exactly so i think on that note you can find me on twitter at alex donge ruzik at bts van city written btsvencity.com if you haven't read my recent pieces by by the time again this is out I'll have a nice little statistical analysis of the midfield, a favorite topic of many, and uh, the defense and Thomas Hassall. And then lastly, you know, the forward. So if you like numbers, if you like reading that stuff, check it out. And for us, you, you listening, if you want to hear hear us again, we'll, we'll be back on the mics in a few, you know, on Monday with the episode 28. But thanks for tuning in to episode 27. We appreciate the love we've gotten on the latest podcast. And I guess all I can say is if, if you've enjoyed the show don't you know feel free to, to leave a rating on itunes or spotify we really appreciate it and we're we're happy to, to keep doing these as the as 2020 goes along yeah and we've been kind of flying up the charts a little bit recently which is i think surprised both myself and and alex and so yeah all, all the love and support you guys are showing definitely doesn't go unnoticed so thank you and we'll be back again soon all right take care everybody